0: Hello there, this is Mary Mack, you are listening to P.F. Tape Recorder on your computer. Is Is that where they're listening to it?
1: Hello there, I'm BF, this is my tape reporter. Coming up, comedian and actor Reese Darby goes from soldier to university student to comedy performer in his homeland of New Zealand.
0: And we started performing in town just for a free beer. You know, we were students and yeah, we'd knock on the doors of the pubs and say, hey look, we, we've got some jokes and, and some songs, um, would you could we come in?
1: We'll hear more from Reese in just a little bit, including how he found his way to America. Who doesn't love a good prank phone call? Well, besides me. Well, we do one anyway. And there's uh, some exciting news about the tape recorder coming up at the end of the show, but first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Carolyn Kennedy arrived in Japan on Friday to take her position as U.S. Ambassador, the first woman to serve in the post, and one who is from a political family familiar to many there. I bring greetings from President Obama, she said after getting off the plane with her husband Edwin Schlossberg at Narita Airport. Ms. Kennedy took the post after getting congressional approval and was nominated after her check to the Obama re-election campaign cleared. This past week, a video popped up online of bellicose actor Alec Baldwin yelling at some paparazzi who were swarming his car, which contained not only his wife, but his newborn baby daughter. So sure, that's annoying, and Alec was in the right to tell them to buzz off, only he didn't just tell them to buzz off, he called one of them, uh, well, he used a a, a gay slur. Now, uh, you know we all like Alec Baldwin's politics, and he's a funny guy and everything, but I think we can all agree, he's a dick. The world's largest cruise ship, a huddle of chairs with its sister ship, Oasis of the Seas, will be temporarily removed from service this February to undergo unscheduled repairs to its propulsion system. Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas, which can hold 5,400 passengers and weighs in at 225,000 tons, needs to have some potholes filled on the four-lane roadway that runs the length of the ship. Former Alaska Governor and Republican Vice Presidential Candidate Sarah Palin apologized Thursday for her criticism of Pope Francis and his, quote, liberal statements. It was not my intention to be critical of Pope Francis, Palin wrote Thursday on her Facebook page. I was reminding viewers that we need to do our own homework on new subjects, and I hadn't done mine yet on the Pope's recent comments as reported by the media. Now, Palin is very supportive of the Pope, though she is a little weary of this helping the poor business. The Obama administration on Friday came out strongly in support of extending long-term unemployment insurance past its current expiration date. Top economic advisor Gene Sperling said in a statement to the Huffington Post that there is no question that Congress should extend emergency unemployment insurance for more than a million workers who could be affected when benefits expire between Christmas and the new year. GOP leaders replied that, well, that's okay, but only if we can take away their health care. Though he champions the overtaxed little guy, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford grew up with wealth and political advantage under a fortune made with the industrial tagging and labeling business founded by his rags to riches father, who was a provincial parliamentary minister there in Ontario. Ford will soon be starting his own TV and radio show with his brother who is also a councilman on the Toronto City Council. Ford made the statements while wearing his Toronto Argonauts jersey at a press conference, leading some to speculate that he might still be smoking crack. See, folks in Toronto's don't really support the Argos, even though they should. China on Friday released fresh details of an ambitious economic and social reform plan promising to reduce the role of government across a broad front and unleash market forces. The reform blueprint released by official media appeared far more ambitious than the cautious statements in a communique released after a meeting of senior Communist Party officials that ended on Tuesday. It said China would speed up interest rate liberalization and open up the nation's capital accounts while encouraging the creation of more privately owned banks and set up a bank deposit insurance system. And basically, said one official, we're going to give all of the money to less than 1% of the population because <laughs> that's worked out so well for you folks. And that's been Fake News with me! Who doesn't love a good prank phone call? Well. Usually me. Uh, but I would add an asterisk to that and say that I was always a big fan of my former boss Gary Burbank's character, Gilbert Gnarly. Uh, in fact, that was probably the, my favorite thing that uh, we ever did on that show. Well, basically, Gilbert Gnarly was, was uh, like where most prank phone calls, is they they call up and pretend to be somebody and try to fool somebody into doing something. Gilbert Gnarly, like the comedy relied more on the fact that it was this character Gary created. Uh, it, it was this befuddled old man who lived in a retirement home, and he would get confused and call these companies and have all these really goofy questions. And and part of it was the people on the other end being tricked into believing the guy was for real, but a lot of it was the fact that just that somebody would be, you know, it was the character that was funny, and not so much the fact that they were fooling people. So if you go to PitsOff.com, you can actually listen to a free sample of Gilbert Gnarly. You can buy Gilbert Gnarly tracks. And then you can also listen to uh, Gary's more famous character, uh, Earl Pitts. Although I think I like Gilbert Gnarly better, but uh, Earl Pitts is still actually heard around the country on different radio stations. So PitsOff.com, that'll take there. And uh, oh, a little fun fact. As I recall, uh, back in the 90s, when I first started writing on the show, or right before I arrived, um, the Jerky Boys were really big. You might remember them. They did prank phone calls and and released them on CDs and stuff. And, and word on the street was that they were going to sue Gary because for ripping off their idea because they also called people in character and did prank phone calls. Uh, failing to realize Gary had been doing it for like years and years before those guys ever even re- recorded and released their first underground tape. So I thought that was kind of funny. So anyway, uh, my wife uh, is a big fan of, of pranks, and so are all of her co-workers. And they wanted to, to play a prank on one of their co-workers, so uh, they wrote this script, my wife and her other co-worker, to play on their third co-worker, uh, a woman named Kathy, and... They wanted someone to call and pretend to be from the uh, help desk at their company and that there was some illegal stuff on this woman's computer. He a pretty funny premise, right? And I was the second choice, actually, (laughs) to do this. They asked the other gal's husband, and he said no. So they broke down and had to turn to me. Well, your husband has that stupid podcast, so maybe he could do this. So anyway, uh, they wrote this script. Um, I'm in character for about 30 seconds, and I just go back to my regular voice. But uh, it came out okay. And uh, here is uh, a, a real live prank phone call for your enjoyment. Kathy. Uh, hi, this is Chris uh, from Infotech Security. We're a partner with well, GBS Services. Is this Catherine Ward? Uh-huh. Yes, it is. Okay, is your T number? Uh, yes. Okay, uh, well, your computer was uh, brought to us after your upgrade to perform maintenance and uh, recycle. Uh, are you the original owner of this laptop?
0: Um, I think so.
1: Okay. Oh, I don't mean to alarm you or anything. It's b- probably nothing, uh, but uh, we find a lot of material uh, on the laptop that is forbidden by so we just wanted to see if maybe someone had this computer before you. Oh, I don't know. I, how would I know that? Hmm, okay. Well, uh,
0: <coughs> have you ever... What kind of forbidden material?
1: Uh, well, we've I been, do
0: social media work, so...
1: Okay. Well, have you been, P&G,
0: so that's why I'm asking what kind.
1: Okay, well, have you been involved in any illegal activities while at P&G or perhaps uh, someone borrowed your computer without your knowledge?
0: No, I can tell you this. I had the computer. I turned it back in for about six or seven months because I got a Mac, and a Mac computer, and then um, I turned the Mac back in, and they gave me that computer back. So it was out of my, I didn't have it for like six to seven months,
1: Okay. Well, there's some media files on here. Uh, it looks like movies and some sound files. And uh, uh, we don't want to assume, uh, but this type of activity is, is sometimes ground for dismissal at PNG and involves legal ramifications because of copyright infringement and so forth.
0: Holy cow. Like, what do I need
1: to do? Uh, well, I'm not sure. We need to uh, investigate further. Uh, Human Resources and Security uh, would like to speak to you. Uh, they have a few questions for you. Are you available now?
0: Yes, I am like this is not a joke
1: uh no ma'am uh i'm gonna uh in fact actually i'm gonna uh give you a case number here in case you wanna call me back with any questions uh Please do you have on. something to write down uh this case number with
0: are you <laughs> okay right, wait a minute I... <laughs> Claudia, are you for real so I can hang up okay okay, thank you
1: i just <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Okay, so I don't know if you can tell, they fessed up at the end in the background that it was all uh, just a ruse, and I had a big finish there. I had my I had my uh, uh, reference number I was going to give her, and then I was going to tell her that uh, the, the human resources representatives that we were going to talk to her were named Patty and Claudia, my wife and her friend, and that was going to be the big finish, but they, they, uh, uh, they, they scuttled the whole thing before I could uh, get to all that. So, hope you enjoyed that. On to the interview. Looking for a place to find unique and affordable gifts this holiday season? Head to Homeshirts.com featuring logos of gone-but-not-forgotten brands from Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis as well as some beloved defunct sports teams from these towns. But you're saying, PF, I'm not from any of these cities, why would I care? Well, we have national logos as well, such as National Record Mart, Woolworths, Gold Circle. Uh, Brands are all over the country as well. And what would be cooler than having a t-shirt of a defunct sports team from a great Midwestern city like Cincinnati or Cleveland or so on? So what I want you to do is simply head to homeshirts.com and you can then look at either uh, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or St. Louis. Use the promo code PFTR and get 20% Off. By the way, we also have some uh, nice beer shirts from uh, beer brands that were famous in these cities as well. So go to homeshirts.com, order a t shirt, preferably from the Cleveland site, because we make a few more bucks when you do it that way. But use the promo code PFTR to get 20% off any shirt on the Home Shirts website. Reese Darby is a stand-up comedian and actor, best known for his work as the manager on *Flight of the Concords. He's now based in America and is currently touring the U.S. with his sketch-influenced stand-up comedy show. Here now is our interview with Reese Darby. Okay, joining us on PF's tape recorder is Reese Darby. Reese, how you doing?
0: Good.
1: So. We
0: we had some technical
1: difficulties connecting with Reese and now he's having some as well. I, I, I just
0: dropped the computer. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm back.
1: All right, sounds good. All right, well, uh, gosh, let's. Uh, get, you're living in Los Angeles now, then.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Okay, originally from New Zealand. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, how does a, a guy from New Zealand get into the comedy business? Were you always interested in comedy growing up, or did folks say, hey, you're a really funny guy, or were you doing acting? How did that come about?
0: Well, I was kind of, uh, yeah, definitely obsessed with uh, all things comedic ever since I was a child. Uh, I never really thought it would be a vocation, and yeah, I kind of came into it late, really. I mean, I had a few other careers going, I was a soldier and then I became a university student I was going to be a reporter but the whole way through I just uh, I enjoyed making people laugh and then a comedy club opened up in New Zealand just the one Uh, we still only have the one purpose-built club but uh, yeah it sort of became possible to do it and then at university I started performing um, on stage and stuff and then I Created a a, a comedy duo with my friend Grant, and we started performing in town just for uh, for a free beer. You know, we were students, and we're yeah, we'd knock on the doors of pubs and say, "Hey, look, we we got some jokes and and some songs. Um, Would you could we come in?" (laughs) And uh, sort of went from there, really, and then and then I sort of made the move to. To the UK, and I started performing in uh, in the clubs all through um, Britain, and okay. that's the story.
1: Okay, so it's uh, I guess you, at some point you have to leave New Zealand if you're gonna uh, yeah go okay got to make it yeah now
0: why not Australia? Um, well, you know it's kind of like it, it's a it's a it's a step to the left rather than um, a leap to the front. I think for me, um, I've I was brought up with a lot of British uh, comedy on television, and so it made sense for me to go uh, go over there. And, of course, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which oh, I've yeah. heard of, the biggest arts festival in the world, that seemed to be uh, like a giant leap. Dropped myself in that huge pool, and I did it with some other boys that I was hanging out with. Uh, we called it We called it ourselves the New Zealand Brat Pack. Um, I think our catchphrase was we're young, hip, and hilarious. Ah uh, nice. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I'm curious how did the uh how did the New Zealanders get on with the Australians? Is it like us and the Canadians were uh were pretty chummy or is there any kind of a rivalry? I've never really uh heard anyone discuss that.
0: Well, there's definitely a rivalry, but it's it's based on sports, really. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. When we're all overseas, uh, we're the best best of friends. So it's kinda uh-huh. like when we're playing each other in, in sports or in politics back home, uh, it's a love-hate relationship. We're, we're very much the little brother to them. They kind of look upon us as uh, uh, an extra state for them. They, they, own, ah. <laughs> they think they own us a bit, and we try and declare how we're an independent country, and we're very different to them. And, of course, we are in many oh, ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and of course we, we fight alongside them in all the wars and things up until recently. Um, you might've heard of the Anzacs. Yes. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's us and us and them together. So, you know, yeah, we're definitely brothers, brothers in arms and, uh, and like any, um, sibling, uh, relationship, there's, there's a lot of fighting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, um, musically, of course, uh, I think the guys from Crowded House are actually, uh, from New Zealand.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. a combination of Australia and New Zealand, but uh, originally um, New Zealand. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then um, Alana Curry off Thompson Twins, and uh, Jeff Fatt from yeah. the Wiggles.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: So I know my Aussie musicians. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you you go to England, and uh, I I understand you worked uh, for the BBC as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, that's how the the Concord started. We we. Uh, we started with a a radio show on the BBC. So um, that sort of came about from from their show in Edinburgh. They were approached by a chap from the BBC uh, called Will, Will Saunders, and Jermaine asked me to play the part of the band manager. We just kind of came came up with this idea on the spot, really. Um, And we did it. We made a little pilot um, on a mini disc player up up in the festival, will took it back to London. They loved it. They uh, did some work on it, and then uh, they gave the boys a like a, a six part series on BBC Radio, which which was uh, which was huge. I think uh, had like um, two million listeners on average. Uh, they won they won an award, and it was uh, yeah, it was it was the first big thing for me.
1: And then how did you wind up in America through the TV show uh, Flight of the Concords?
0: um, You know, I mean, I I stayed over there. I was doing the comedy clubs, uh, performing uh, most nights of the week and all over the place uh, and parts of Europe and things. The Concords uh, came over to America. I think they did the Aspen Comedy Festival back back in the day when HBO were running that. And uh, then they... Yeah, they uh, struck a deal with HBO to make a pilot, and they gave me a phone call. I was in uh, where was I at the time? I was uh, on, this, on this, some seaside town in, in England somewhere, and they said, "Hey, we're, we're going to make this pilot in America. Uh, come over." So I uh, I packed my bag and off I went, and we did that, and then it um, it, all, it all happened. So America was—I never really thought I'd, I'd get over here. You know, it's it's difficult. It's, you've got to uh, you've got to have the right to work here and um, visas green cards that sort of thing and Oh it's, yeah it's not, it's not an easy thing and it's a big thing to to step into but um, yeah I was that was my in and and I haven't looked back.
1: Now and how long have you been uh, based in the. US then?
0: Well, uh, on a more permanent basis, only just this year. Um, Up until this year, it's been a lot of back and forth from New Zealand and also the UK. You know, uh, I I, I keep performing my stand-up and and touring around with that, as well as uh, various other adventures. Um, But, yeah, uh, even during Concord's um, filming dates back in in New York in, in 2007, 2008, uh, I would only be there for the for the four or five months time, and then I would you know come back uh, come back to New Zealand or I think it was uh, London I took back to after that. So it's it's really only been this year uh, that we've had more of a permanent fixture in in Los Angeles here. So
1: now, how are you finding Los Angeles as compared to New Zealand or even London for that matter?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. I mean, compared to London, of course, very, very different place, a lot more spread out. Um, I mean, there's probably uh, just as many people, but um, they're not sort of right up in your grill, so to speak.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, you know, I love the beaches. I love the wildlife. Uh, you know, it's, it's all here. And as long as you can sort of avoid the freeways, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's it's good. It reminds me a bit more of Auckland at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just it's it's similar except we're um, a lot smaller and without without all the people.
1: It seems like size-wise, it would be similar to London because London still seems pretty big, even though you're just kind of compact in, in part. But then, it, w- climate-wise and you know nature-wise, I yeah. guess more similar Very to different. New Zealand. Yeah, hmm.
0: yeah, it's it's so condensed over there, um, and I, I do love it, but um, it it can get to you, you know. And it takes it takes a good couple of hours to even get out of the inner circle of London with yeah. all. The, Traffic, and then once you do get out, you know, um, too scared to get back in. So it's it's well, it's more like Manhattan, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, combustion feeling, but yeah. So have I you know performed like here?
1: So have you performed much around uh, America, stand up wise?
0: Uh yeah, here and there, you know. Um, not, I mean, it's such a huge place. I've I've only really dipped my toes in in various uh, cities. Um, so I've got a lot more to do, but. I'm sort of concentrating on um, getting television stuff happening here in, in LA okay. at the moment.
1: And how has the stand up gone that you've done uh, in America?
0: Really good, yeah. Really happy with it. I'm I'm really um, I'm surprised the the amount of people that turn up, but I guess that's the uh, goes to show how popular uh, the the Concord show was. There's they you know they they turn up and the audiences have been very very cool. I've, I've really enjoyed performing over here.
1: Well, and I think too, people are just fans of uh, who are fans of British humor, probably. Yeah. Uh, and kind of gravitate towards you as well. It's interesting too because there are guys that uh, that do well in the different English-speaking countries, even though if they're maybe not from there. I know, like Rich Hall is really big over in the UK, but he's uh, from from here. Arge Barker's from here. He's huge in Australia. It's just it, it's kind of odd. He, I mean, do you think it's just maybe there isn't that much of a a a, a sensibility in each of those countries that isn't transcended by the humor overall?
0: Um, Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, yeah, the British started this huge um, comedy invasion and it's, it's really taken uh, a a lot of people have, have jumped on the bandwagon and, and yeah,
1: yeah, I think a lot of people have, have tried, especially in this country, in, in comics here, maybe aren't uh, as, I guess, well, maybe some of the younger guys, because this goes back a ways. Uh, I'm about to relate to you, of course. Is, but people think that stand-up comedy is a very uh, American art form, almost like jazz, which I guess in a way it is. But people don't realize how far back, at least in England, uh, you know, stand-up goes with people like Dave Allen and uh, you know, on up with, uh, into the 70s and with uh, Billy Conley and Jeremy Hardy and people like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it really is. I think you know, it's what they did over here in America was was you know sort of inventing the comedy club, you know, and that yeah, up until when when that sort of happened, and then it sort of became very popular in the UK in the in the eighties. Yes, the the sort of the art form changed from um, a lot of sketch or monologue type stuff to. Two more um, person behind the microphone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I think what the what I've grown up with is, is the, um, like I'm a big Python fan. There you go. I'm really, really into British sketch. And so I've kind of um, combined that with the American style of stand-up. And I thought, well, I, I've always wanted to be in a, in a popular sketch troupe um so what i ended up doing was just sort of end up playing all the characters myself and uh had conversations with myself as different characters on stage and yeah that's how my kind of stand-up evolved it's, okay uh, it, it was sort of combining those two worlds
1: so kind of storytelling uh like we see here with folks like uh ron white and people like that but kind of more of a Sketch. Vibe. I don't want to say sketchy because sketchy here means some dodgy or, <laughs> <era. laughs> but more of a a, a sketch comedy uh, vibe or bent to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I kind of um, I'll tell a story, but then I'll also uh, act it out, which I guess when my acting uh, sort of skills first sort of came into fruition is, is by just um, doing it myself. You know, you know, um, and and f- bringing physicality into stand up as well. So. I think that's where I sort of, you know, got my originality from. So
1: where do the stories uh, derive from? Are they from everyday life? Are they things you observe, you know, um, on TV or out on the street? Or what's the derivation of those?
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a real combination of uh, my own personal stories and observations and of it, everyday life.
1: And it's all original characters. Any impressions involved in there? Do you ever get to make fun of... Uh you know, politicians or, or, or <laughs> no, celebrities? no? I
0: I stay stay clear of uh, of of doing imperson, uh, impersonations of, of, of people. I don't know why. I Just um, <clears throat> now and again, something might sneak in, but really, it's I, I generally create my own characters and um, and yeah, just portray um, people that uh, come from my imagination.
1: <laughs> when you derive the characters, I know a lot of guys will do this, and gals too, as a matter of fact, uh, but they'll, they'll draw uh, characters from people they know in real life or kind of combine bits and pieces of people they know into these characters. Is that kind of how you approach it?
0: Um, yeah, I guess so. I think yeah, uh, the characters I come up with really uh, are the sort of people that I've, I've met on a day-to-day basis, whether, whether it be while I'm out shopping or uh, where I'm working somewhere or, or on holiday somewhere. Uh, I guess I end up absorbing uh, characterizations from uh, people I meet and, uh, and then, and then, and then p- portraying them on stage and people can relate to the type of characters I, I portray because they've come across them in their life somewhere. So they've obviously made me crack up and then I uh, remember them and then I just sort of portray the type of people that you might run into when you're, when you're overseas overseas.
1: So, being in America, have you discovered uh, new characters or discovered maybe things are a little different that you want to talk about and uh, make characters out of?
0: Um, Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I haven't had the chance to do it yet. I'm still doing um, stuff that I've been working on for the last year or so. So, um, currently now just beginning to write a brand new show for next year so now that I'm here in America I think there'll be a lot more influence in, in this new show on uh, on people I meet around around this neighborhood and it's kind of yeah because I still like I'll be performing uh, my new show all through New Zealand and, and the UK um, and then bringing it to to America I have to decide whether the the characterizations are you know have that universal appeal for example a lot of New Zealanders won't uh, relate to, to American characters that I that I perform, so it's a tricky one. You know, you've got to find the right yeah, uh, the that, right mix,
1: the sweet spot, as we say. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, like when Matt Kirshner came over here, one of the things he first discovered was how, uh, our, you know, how driving uh, is difficult over here, and, and things like that. So I kind of added some, some life to his uh, to his stand up. And um, also, do you, I was just curious, do you do you know Jake Johansson, the comedian?
0: Uh, I know the name.
1: Yeah, his wife's a Kiwi. That's the only reason I oh, ask. Okay. And he's really uh, his two big passions, travel wise, are New Orleans and New Zealand. He goes every year to visit his wife's family. I thought maybe you'd run into him and perhaps discuss uh, New Zealand, all things New Zealand.
0: Oh no! Heaven. Okay.
1: Well, I just, if you ever run into him, you can say, "Hey, I understand your wife's a kiwi." Um, <laughs> so, uh, what would be the ultimate gig then? Uh, eventually, maybe doing a feature film with all these crazy characters you have in your head, or uh, just playing bigger and bigger crowds, and you playing a big theater in town uh, in each town. Or how would you like to see that yeah. shake out?
0: Well, I think I think a combination of all the above. I mean, I've uh, recently made a TV show where I portray eight different characters. Um, so I've kind of done that, and hopefully we'll get to see that over here in America next year. Cool. Um, yeah. In terms of performing live, um, it's, it's a difficult one because big gigs, you know, sure, they're great. I mean, you know, it's, it's nothing like performing in front of 2,000, 3,000, whatever people. Uh, and I call that a big gig, by the way. I know you can get bigger. You can do arenas. Yeah. Well, but as a stand-up, you know, I've got to say, it's the intimacy of the art form is a hell of a lot more uh, exciting than performing to, you know, 20,000 people. It just, the the small intricacies of facial expressions and right. mm-hmm. sound effects and things that I make, physical uh, movements I do on stage just um, will not be picked up by, you know, a huge crowd of people. It's It's you know most stand-ups will tell you that the best gigs are the intimate ones and small yep. clubs with low ceilings yep. um, so it's a you know you know so it's it's uh, while it's, it's exciting to do huge huge theaters and I've certainly done a few um, I prefer the smaller gigs and you know if they're packed out and it you know there's more than enough uh, laughter and vibe and, and and excitement from from a from a crowd that's filling a, a small room so, I guess for me, and I've done a lot, um, would be to, I guess, just keep keep going to places I haven't been before, and there's certainly a lot of that in America. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah. Well, like uh, back to Thompson Twins for a moment. I remember when they were in the '80s, uh, when they were touring around here, they, you know, they were saying going to America, it's like coming to a scaled down planet because you oh, know, yeah. yeah, there's all these different you know cultures you, you run into, and you know, for some folks it works out, and other folks, you know. Uh, not so much, but I think for for you, I think you'll you'll find all kinds of interesting things, uh, you know, that you'll be like, oh wow, you know, that never never thought of that before. So
0: yeah, and the thing I'm I'm blessed with is that um, the people over here have have taken to me. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a complete alien, uh, the way I sound and where I'm from, and you know, I, I at first I, I was worried whether that even um, Take to me whether I, I spoke too fast or my accent was so silly that they, you know, they couldn't take me seriously. But because of the shows I've done on TV and and, and some films and things, I think people here have uh, have a sweet spot for me, and, and I've I've really enjoyed that. And so I guess that's just um, I bring this innocence and uh, naivety <laughs> along <laughs> with uh, I get I guess a lot of laughs and yeah, yeah I really appreciate. Um, how America have sort of have, have taken me under their wing. So, yeah, I'll be here for a while now.
1: Well, I think by and large you'll find that we really enjoy... Uh, the the accent and I would say uh, nobody speaks English like the English first of all but I would yeah. say a close second would be you guys the Anzacs and then oh. and then we're just rubbish our and that's, us that's and the that's Canadians that's are just <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know, what, what, know what what went wrong
0: then, you know, yeah. American English so there's nothing like it you know you spell things differently yeah you spell yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah you exactly the lazy the lazy way that yep. you spell it out sounds you know and a lot of it makes sense you know yeah yeah um, so I don't know that we're sort of stuck in the middle, um, the the Commonwealth people, and yeah. uh, I guess hey, it's all one big globe full of uh, happiness. It it really is,
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, you know, good luck the rest of the way, and I hope you have some good shows up there in Minneapolis, and hopefully we'll get you here in Cincinnati sometime as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: uh, thanks for suffering through all the technical difficulties trying to get this thing set up.
0: <laughs> no worries.
1: All right, thanks a lot, man. All right, thank all
0: right, you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: Thanks again to Reese Darby for being on the show. You can catch Reese up there in Minneapolis November 21st through the 23rd for a special engagement there at the House of Comedy in Bloomington. For all other uh, in, for all other information regarding Reese Darby, go to reesedarby.com. That's R H Y S D A R B Y. Com. Okay, some uh, business to get to here. Some friends of the show need your help, uh, one of which is Paul Morsi. Uh, we will have a link on the Podbean page. That's pfradio.podbean.com to a daily motion video. If you vote for it, he gets to perform uh, with the top five finalists at the Montreux Comedy Festival. And hopefully we're not too late to help him out there. I already voted. Uh, you folks can vote and help him along. Also go to uh, the Fiat USA Facebook page and click on the Band Pre link there. And then you're going to go to uh, Bands by Genre. Americana, and you should be able to skip to page four, find Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings, download Strawberry Smile, that will help them. They can get on a TV show if they get enough votes, and I think they're in really good shape right now, so let's get push them over the top there. Let me see, what else is going on? Um, Oh, yes, here's a funny story. Uh, As you know, uh, Paul Mercurio, friend of the show, uh, Caleb Bacon, uh, who we're also friendly with, he has a podcast called Man School, recommended. They are are both on the Sideshow Network. It's a network of comedy podcasts, and I approached them this week and said, hey, how how can I get on the Sideshow Network with, with my little show. And they were very interested. They went, to I guess, to the Podbean site and saw all the great guests we have, and they were really excited. And then they listened to the show, and they are like, gee whiz, PF, we really don't have a lot of... And picture me not looking at you in the face when I say this. We really don't have the bandwidth, you know, and... Um, uh, So I guess uh, they didn't quite get what was going on with the show like you folks do. But uh, 2,200 of you a week do, and as I always say, that's 2,200 more than probably should be listening. So thank you all, and uh, we'll still keep pushing along. Talking to some sponsors, too, we have someone that is uh, interested. We have some other folks that, again, probably listened to the show and thought, "Mm, nah, no thanks. Uh, let me see. Uh, what else do we have to get to here? Uh, apart from the usual credits, um, music performed and composed by John Robles and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Logo by Dan Coble. Like the show on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. The Prank Phone Call was written by Patty Wilson and Claudia Ratterman. Hope you enjoyed that. And I think that is all of the... Oh, one last thing. Uh, this is why the show is going to be a little shorter this week because we have uh, stuff to- we're preparing for. Uh, I don't know for you folks, some of you maybe new, might not realize that uh, last January, Fangirl and I did a radio show for a university in Singapore. My old buddy Bree Freeman was the uh, director there, the professor, teaching the kids there about uh, the radio and all that. And uh, they needed a show to play overnights while people weren't actually, humans weren't actually on the air. So we did that. We did a top 20 show. We've been asked now to do a show uh, at his new gig, which is in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. So we'll be doing a two-hour radio show for them to play on their automated system again after hours uh, there when uh, when real-life people are not on the air. So look for that. We will keep you posted and have links to it and all that fun stuff. And other than that, so long and thanks for listening.